Good morning and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth. I'm Wayne Zell, your host of this very fast-paced half hour of special topics and special guests designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. The show is brought to you by Odin, Feldman, and Pittleman, a full-service law firm located in Fairfax, Virginia, serving the entire Washington, D.C. metro area. If you'd like to know more about OFNP, visit us on the web at www.ofplaw.com. Also, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to my blog, blueprintforwealth.org, where we have special content on estate, business, and tax planning topics of interest. So blueprintforwealth.org, check it out. And please check out my monthly column in the Washington Business Journal entitled Blueprint for Wealth for a topic of special interest. Now, in our first segment, we're going to be talking about the need not to give to certain types of relatives, relatives who have special needs. It could be a disaster for them and for their lifetime if you ended up leaving an inheritance or had somebody leave an inheritance to a special needs person. We're going to talk about why it makes absolutely no sense to do that and how to protect their inheritance for them without giving it to them directly. You know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents, everybody wants to help a disabled relative by leaving them something. It makes you feel better that you've left them something so that they can survive after you're gone. That's why every attorney who's familiar with drafting special needs trusts, as we are at OFNP, advises the client, typically parents of the disabled child, to tell friends and relatives about the special needs trust, SNT, that they've established for their child and to let them know that any contributions they wish to make will go into this trust. That way, the disabled individual's access to public benefits through the state and federal government will not be jeopardized. Now, funneling all of your money into one trust may create other difficulties, and you have to address this when you're establishing your own SNT. Here's what happens when a relative gives money directly to a disabled family member. Christine, let's say, is 34 years old. She's bipolar and has obsessive-compulsive disorder. Although she accepts counseling and typically takes her medications, her symptoms can be severe. She's endured more than one hospitalization. Her medical record irrefutably established her inability to work. She is disabled. She's been a recipient of su Supplemental Security Income, SSI, and Medicaid, for almost 10 years, yes, an individual under age 65 can be entitled to receive Medicaid. Christine lives in subsidized housing. She's able to make ends meet. On occasion, her parents help her. Without their assistance, she could never survive on her own. She only gets $820 a month from SSI. From that amount, she has to pay $420 a month for her apartment. Importantly, Medicaid pays for her counseling, her medications, her doctor visits, and her hospitalizations, which could run into tens of thousands of dollars every year. So, maintaining her eligibility in these programs is absolutely critical to Christine's longevity and well-being. Now, recently, Aunt Polly died, and unbeknownst to Christine's parents, 
Polly left Christine $50,000 in her will. It was a wonderful gesture by Aunt Polly. At least, it seemed to be wonderful. Suddenly, Christine had more than $2,000 in the bank. That basically jeopardized her SSI and Medicaid eligibility. Unwittingly, unknowingly, Aunt Polly created a serious problem for Christine. If Christine kept the $50,000, she'd lose her monthly income check and her health insurance under Medicaid until Polly's $50,000 had been, re- been reduced down to $2,000. There are some ways of cleaning this mess up if a disabled relative receives an inheritance. First of all, Christine's parents could create what's called a D4A SNT. It's a reference to a federal statute under which the parents can establish a special needs trust. Christine would transfer the $50,000 from Aunt Polly into that trust. Her eligibility would remain undisturbed for her lifetime. The trust includes a state reimbursement or payback provision out of the $50,000 if anything is left, but they can't stop her benefits. Christine also could spend the money before the end of the month in which it's received, but that's a hard task for somebody who has this special disability. Number three, Christine could spend the money on or invest it in what we call exempt resources. For example, Christine could buy a car, or if she inherits more money, she could purchase an interest in a home. Ownership of these assets does not interfere generally with eligibility. Had Aunt Polly instead left the $50,000 directly to the SNT that was created by Christine's parents, there would have been no disruption in or threat to the eligibility for Christine's public assistance. Aunt Polly's goal of making her money available for Christine's well-being would have been achieved. Christine and her parents would have been spared the challenge and cost of responding with a creative cleanup solution. So that is, as uh, my colleague Michael Giffix refers to it, a curse of the small inheritance. A well-meaning family member or a friend or a godparent leaves money to this disabled person. Now, if the money is substantial, Aunt Polly or other friends and family members might be interested in designating different beneficiaries other than those identified in Christine's parents' SNT. What do I mean by that? Well, if Aunt Polly wanted to leave something to Christine, but there's money left over that cannot be attached by the state or the federal government due to some kind of reimbursement clause, then she could create a separate SNT for Christine's benefit leaving the residuary amount, what's left over, to whoever she wants, a charity, other family members, other friends, and that way she can have her own tailored provisions. Now, because the parents of the disabled child typically prepare the SNT, assets that are remaining in trusts normally are distributed to the parents' other heirs, to their issue, to their children, the other children who may not be suffering from a disability. So Aunt Polly may not want to have that. But you could draft the SNT to allow for separate shares with separate residuary beneficiaries that are designated 
by whoever's giving the money into the SNT. So you could anticipate that there may be multiple donors with small or large inheritances being passed instead of directly to Christine, a bozo no-no, passing it into the SNT, but in a separate share that would be segregated and what's left over could be designated to pass to other people. Now, because using a multiple donor or single for in a, in a single SNT may raise these issues, you've got to be careful. For example, if the SNT provides that the trustee can rely on a on a separate writing or instrument from a donor like Aunt Polly, when a gift is made, if the trust specifies the terms of that writing, is that okay or can it allow the trustee discretion on what to do? For bequests, should it mandate that such information be properly expressed in the donor's will through some kind of power of appointment mechanism? Or is a less formal writing acceptable? These questions and others really have to be examined under state law. Using a will, Aunt Polly using her will, to designate who gets what's left over of the share that she sets aside in this multiple-party SNT for Christine could be accomplished through her will and an exercise of a testamentary power of appointment. Every SNT should include provisions allowing for establishment of separate accounts so that multiple donors can make gifts to the single SNT and therefore have the ability to direct or designate what happens to the leftover amount in that account after the individual who is the beneficiary of the SNT, in this case Christine, passes. If a very significant amount of money is going to be distributed, or if the donor, Aunt Polly, is unhappy with the choice of trustee made by the original grantor to the trust, her parents, then the donor, Aunt Polly, may be advised to establish her own SNT and have it work the way she wants it to. It's so wonderful to have family members who want to help disabled relatives. And it's our job as estate planners and lawyers to ensure that these acts of kindness and generosity go unpublished. If you have a special needs child or if you've come across a situation where you want to set aside funds for a special needs child or a special needs adult, you may want to give us a call at 703-218-2100 and we'll be happy to help you with any questions that you might have regarding special needs trusts, special needs children, or elder law matters that might involve special needs situations. If you have questions on estate, business, or tax matters, give us a call as well at 703-218-2100 or if you need assistance with any other legal matter involving litigation, real estate, bankruptcy, family law matters, or any other matter that might involve uh, the courts or dispute resolution, give us a call. And visit us on the web at www.ofplaw.com. That's Odin, Feldman, and Pittleman. And lastly, again, I invite you to subscribe to my blog for tax, estate, and business planning videos, audios, and articles at www.blueprintforwealth.org.
I'm Wayne Zell, and you're listening to Blueprint for Wealth on Federal News Radio.